0: Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ, and they grow together into fully devoted followers of him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. All right, so here we go. If you haven't taken out your sermon notes yet, I encourage you to go ahead and do that. Take them out of your connect folder. You're handed on your way in. We are in week three of our series. We're calling Promised Land. Everybody say that with me. Promised land. Promised land. And what we're doing is we're exploring the promises of God that are in the Bible and why they matter, why they're important to us. Our theme verse for this series comes from 2 Peter. Chapter 1, verse 4, we're going to have it on the screen. We're working on memorizing it as a church, but there's no pop quiz, so don't worry about that if you're an anxious tester. Verse 4, let's read it out loud all together. Go. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. So, here's the deal. What we're trying to do is talk about the promises of God. What we're not trying to do is to just give you religious education and to let you know about promises that God makes in the Bible so you can go in at trivia night. What we're trying to do here is, and keep that verse up there, guys, is this is about learning what God promises about himself in Scripture so that you can then learn. See what it says there? So that you may participate in something so that you may participate in something divine and a part of who God is. When you learn the promises of God, and you learn to put your faith and trust them, build your life on them, it does something to you and in your life, and you step into a new reality, spiritually speaking, for your actual life and how you live. There are things that you and I have yet to tap into because we are not yet fully trusting on God's promises. And that's what this series is all about. So if you've been out, we're in the middle of July, a lot of people are on vacation and out a lot of travel, maybe you're streaming online. Uh, what we've been talking about is we've been talking through the book of Daniel, the first six chapters. It's a book in the Old Testament about the story of Daniel and his three friends. They're in exile. They're not in Israel. They're not in Judah. They're not in Jerusalem. Jerusalem has been sacked in the year 586 B.C., By the Babylonian Empire and a man named King Nebuchadnezzar, he's taken all the Israelites and the people living in Jerusalem and exiled them as prisoners of war all the way to the city, to the region of Babylon, which doesn't exist anymore. It's about 59 miles southwest of Baghdad in Iraq. It's been lost to antiquity, but that's how far the journey is. And so they're not living in the promised land of Israel anymore. They're living in a foreign land. But the promises of God are still true no matter where you are. So here's the deal. Here's what we talked about the past two weeks. Real quick, if you haven't been with us. Promise one, week one from Daniel one was this. God blesses and uses obedience. God blesses and uses obedience. That every time we make a decision to say yes to God and say no to the current of culture that's going counter to the ways of God, when we decide to make that difficult decision, that hard decision to walk in God's ways, God always always blesses that decision, and oftentimes God will use it to influence the people around you. God blesses and uses obedience. Week two from Daniel 2, we talked about this last week. The promise that's revealed in that chapter is that God reveals things to those who seek him, to those who seek God and his ways. He speaks, he leads, he directs, he reveals things. And the greatest thing that God reveals to people Above any answer that you may be seeking to any question that you may have or any direction you may be looking for, the greatest thing God desires to reveal to people is himself. And he does that through his son, Jesus. And if you seek God, he reveals himself to you in Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. So today, here's where we're at. We are in Daniel 3 today. Week 3, Daniel 3 just works out nice sequentially like that doesn't always do that in sermon series but today it does now in the Daniel chapter 3 we're not talking about Daniel it's funny that Daniel isn't in Daniel chapter 3 the focus of this story is on his three friends Shadrach Meshach and Abednego really common names right up there with Michael and Ashley right <laughs> Shadrach Meshach and Bendigo. We're talking about the three of them. Here's what's going on. In Daniel chapter three. Nebuchadnezzar has erected a statue, a huge golden statue for people to worship. In fact, here's kind of a picture of it. This is from the Bible series that was on NBC a few years ago. You can watch this on Netflix. I think it's uh, episode five of, of the Bible series. And so uh, this, imagine, this is what it must have been like from the point of view of people back then seeing this statue. It's 90 feet tall, made of solid gold. That's a third of the size of the Statue of Liberty. And when you're talking 500 BC, this is quite an achievement to build. And it's a big deal. We don't know if it's an image of Nebuchadnezzar, or an image of a false god. We really don't know. But all we know is that he made a statue and an image of solid gold, and he wants everybody to worship it. In fact, if you don't worship it, Nebuchadnezzar says everyone, when the music plays, must bow down and worship the image or else you get killed. I was going to say you walk the plank, but they're not on pirate ships. So Uh, in fact, he has a furnace that they built probably to deal with the gold to make the statue. And if you don't bow down to the statue, you go to the furnace. A lot of incentive to bow down to this image. You would die a horrible, painful, awful, awful death. Well, here's the only problem uh, to bowing down to an image that somebody has made to worship. If you're an Israelite, if you're a Jewish person, in that day and age, and that time, you can't do that. Because in the Ten Commandments, commandment number two, is do not make an image or worship it. There's 10 of them. They're all important, but it's number two on the list. So it's kind of a big deal. And so these three friends of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, have a problem with this. They cannot bow down to the statue. fact, This is what it looked like. We're going to role-play this here a little bit. Now, we all want to walk in God's ways, and you're here at church, and maybe you've been coming to church your whole life, or maybe um, it's been forever since you've been to church. Maybe you've never been to church. You're at least here, so that's a good thing. But we're all going to pretend that only three of us in this room get to be the good guys in the story. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, everyone else is role-playing. It doesn't make you an idol worshiper. Does everybody understand? Great. Okay. Nobody be uptight about this. All right. So I'm going to pick out three people in the room who get to be Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. One, two, three. Congrats. You didn't even volunteer for it. Okay. So you three guys are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. All right. Now we're all going to pretend that I'm King Nebuchadnezzar. So I'm going to have, if you are able, if you're not able, don't worry about it. If you're able, please stand. Great. Okay. So we're going to pretend that there's a statue made of gold. And we're going to pretend that we're all the people, we're the Babylonians, the Israelites who are there. We're going to pretend that there's a big orchestra that's going to play music. When the music plays, everybody sit bowing down. You can just sit down, except for you three. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego won't bow down to the statue. Okay, so on the count of three, everyone else sit down but our three friends of Daniel. Ready? One, two, three. And here's the statue. And everyone, oh. And everybody look right at them. Do you feel all the eyes in the back of your head right now? How does it feel? Not good. It feels awkward. It feels strange. Let me tell you how it must have felt for him. You guys could sit down. Can we give them a round of applause for party? Okay, great. It doesn't feel good. It feels awkward. More than just awkward. Like, we're the only ones standing. They knew by staying standing that they were going to get the death penalty. And so Nebuchadnezzar calls these three friends of Daniel in and tells them, maybe there's a misunderstanding. See, you got to understand, if you don't bow to the statue, you're going to go to the furnace. But if you bow, we'll just sweep this all under the rug. This isn't going to be a big deal. It's going to be okay, but I just need to know, you need to know, that if you don't do this, you're going to die. What do you say? This is where our story picks up. Daniel 3 verse 16. It's on your notes. We have 16 through 18 on your notes, but I'm going to read the rest of the narrative through verse 30. It says that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they replied to the king, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, We want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. He ordered that the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped, leapt to his feet in amazement. And he asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the most high God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, and the satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their head singed, their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. That's amazing, because you can't get smoke smell out of a car, and there's not smell on them. I mean, wow. Verse 28. Verse 28. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any God except their own God. Therefore, I decree that any people or that people of any nation or language who say anything against this God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and in their houses, be turned into piles of rubble. He's still learning how to be merciful. <laughs> For no other God can save in this way. And the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. So the title of today's message we're calling Another in the Fire. Would you pray with me? Lord, a lot of us came in here this morning when we clicked online to stream. Uh, we came in here with struggles and pain. And Lord, some of us feel like we're in a battle right now. and We're in a fire right now. Uh, Lord, especially for those of us here who feel that pressure. I ask that you would speak a word that would be so encouraging, that would be freeing, that would be liberating, that would do something powerful in hearts and lives today because of your great love and the promise that we are about to examine. Thank you for your great and precious promises. Because of them today, may we participate more in the divine nature. We ask this through the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. All righty. So here's what we're talking about today. The promise that we're going to be exploring is not necessarily explicitly named in this passage. In fact, this promise uh, is not named, but it's clearly displayed all over Daniel chapter three, and it's this, write this down, God is always with you. God is always with you. God is always with you. Now, Scripture from front to back, this is listed so many ways, and it's so many verses. I don't have time to read them to all of you here today, but I do have time to read to you some of the big ones. So sometimes it's alluded, this promise in Scripture, when God says things like, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. It says it here in Deuteronomy 31, verse 8. It says, the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you and he you will never forsake you do not be afraid do not be discouraged does anybody in here this morning need somebody who is never going to abandon them Amen. joshua 1 5 no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life as i was with moses so i will be with you i will never leave you nor forsake you so then there's illusions up there's direct ones direct ones it says so this in Jeremiah 1.8, which Jeremiah is important to the book of Daniel because in Daniel, it says that Daniel and his friends were reading the writings of Jeremiah the prophet. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego read these next two verses. Jeremiah 1.8, do not be afraid of them for I am with you and I will rescue you, declares the Lord. Jeremiah 42.11, this is so specific for them. I bet they were quoting this to themselves in this narrative. It says, Do not be afraid of the king of Babylon. Wow, whom you now fear, do not be afraid of him, declares the Lord, for I am here it is with you, and will save you and deliver you from his hands. And then out of the New Testament, all the way to the New Testament, the final words of Jesus and the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew twenty-eight twenty says this, and surely I am with you always to the very end. Of the age. How about that? So these promises are all over scripture. Um, now you might be brand new to church, might be back to church for the first time in a while, or you might have been following Jesus for a period of time. For those of you who have been following Jesus for a period of time, many people I hear when I pray and I pray with a lot of people, right? you know, it's all sorts of church events. I hear this prayer all the time. God, just be with us today. You ever heard anybody pray that? You ever prayed that for yourself? Can I just get something off my back here for a minute? That is like one of the lamest prayers ever. (laughs) Pastor, you're not allowed to call prayers lame. I am. Just roll with me. That's one of the lamest prayers ever. Say, God, just be with me today. Here's why. That's the equivalent to praying, dear God, please let there be air for me to breathe today. Dear God, please let there still be palm trees in Palm Beach County this morning when I wake up. Dear God, please let Coke taste better than Pepsi here today. It already does, right? Dear God, please let Starbucks taste better than Dunkin' Donuts today. It already does. You don't need to. Oh. Oh. (laughs) Oh. Somebody brought a Dunkin' cup and just showed it in the room. Wow. Our coffee's good. Drink our coffee. Don't bring it. All right. Anyway. All right. All right. All right. Do you get what I'm saying? Dear God, please... Just be with me today. And he's like standing next to you like, I'm already here. Why are you asking me to do something I've promised to never leave from? See, my goal here today isn't just to teach you about this promise. My goal is to show you that. Then not, you don't need to ask God to do this. He's already doing. My goal is to help you grasp this with your faith, to grasp this with trust. Because when you learn and believe that He's with you, if you're a follower of Jesus and you have invited Him to live in your heart by faith and He will never, ever leave You, when you learn to believe that and trust in that, it changes everything in your life. This is one of the most widely known but misunderstood and least applied promises of God in all of the scripture. So what happens when you trust that God is always with you? Well, here's the first thing. What happens when you trust that God is always with you is one, you learn that your emotions don't have to control you. Your emotions don't have to control you. And now notice in the story, the King Nebuchadnezzar was filled with rage. He was an angry person and a furious person. This dude had some serious issues. He could have used some real anger management. In fact, I learned a really bad dad joke on anger management. It's really lame. Can I share it with you? It's super, super dad jokey, okay? So I was walking down the street, and a guy handed me a flyer for anger management. But then I lost it. Boo. Nebuchadnezzar is a deeply, deeply angry person. Um, when Pastor Dale and I talk, and other pastors and other people in helping fields talk about stuff, um, we often talk about when somebody is really angry and they come to us about something, you know what the question is? We ask them, now, why are you so angry? It's, hey, um, what's actually going on? we have this phrase, what's the thing behind the thing? Because all counselors and psychologists and everybody else who works with people and their emotions will tell you anger is a secondary emotion. If, you're, if somebody's deeply angry about something, it's not because they're angry, it's because something else is going on. So if somebody's deeply angry, maybe if you're somebody who struggles with anger, you don't need to ask, why am I angry? You need to ask other questions like, what am I afraid of? Is there something I'm sad about? Is there something I'm frustrated about? See, those are primary emotions. Anger is just the facade that reacts to the first emotion. What's the thing behind the thing with anger? So you see the Nebuchadnezzar so furious and angry and red hot. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, surely they must have been nervous. They're putting their lives on the line. I don't want to downplay any of that, but they're poised and calm. They say things like, we don't need to defend ourselves to you in this matter. They're calm and cool and collected. Why? Because they know the promise. In fact, here's another version of it in Jeremiah 1:9. You've probably heard this. It says here: Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous? Here it is: don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you may go. See if you understand that God is with you, and that means that the man, the person who made the stars in the sky and who created everything, who revealed Himself in the human being, the man Jesus Christ, that that God is with me, and He's just not my imaginary friend, but the most powerful being in the universe walks with me and walks with you. And if that's true, if God is with you, then that means you don't have to freak out about everything. Doesn't mean that it trivializes your problems, but you don't have to let your emotions control you because God's with you and you're not alone. And if God is with you, you could stay calm. And if God is with you, you're not alone in your circumstances and in your problems. You have a source of infinite intelligence and wisdom who wants to pour into who will help you because he's with you you. See, that's the first thing. If God is with us, then I don't need to let my emotions control me. Because emotions, let me tell you, are wonderful servants, but they are terrible, horrible masters. Let them serve you and not control you. Because God is with you. It has an incredible stabilizing factor. And scripture says that we, when we understand that the presence of God is with us, it says this over and over and over again in the New Testament. We understand that God is with us and we grasp it and hold on to it by faith. It says this, and then the God of peace will be with you. How many of you need peace for your emotions today? God is with you. You don't need to freak out or be so quick to be angry or to be afraid. He's with you what else happens when we trust god is with us you end up losing your fear of people it says in daniel 3:17 if we're thrown into the blazing furnace the god we serve is able to deliver us from it and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand they're saying this to the world superpower at that point, the most powerful person in the world who is also a rageaholic, who is threatening to kill everybody who doesn't do what he wants them to do. How in the world do they gain the courage to do that? Through the promise. It says in Hebrews 13, five and six, because God has said, quote, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, so watch this. Because God has said this, I can say that. Because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. We say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Because God is with me. It's powerful. Um, this promise, this is for me. Now, there's a lot of different personalities here in this room and streaming online, everybody's different, and that's okay. There's no one right personality. I hate to break it to you. Not everyone's supposed to be like you, okay? Some people, when they react to situations, they get red hot, and they feel hot in their face, and they're angry, and their their heart starts pounding. And other people get knots in their stomach and get nervous and anxious. I'm a knots in my stomach kind of a guy. I struggle with anxiety. Where's my knots in the stomach, people? If you can raise your hand high enough. That's me. That's me. In fact, I hate it when people are angry, and I hate it when people are angry with me. It's just, it's literally gut-wrenching. Well, the problem is, if you hate it when people are angry enough, and you hate it so much, you can learn bad behaviors. Like, I hate it when people are angry so much that I'm going to learn to control the people who might be angry in my life. And then if I could control them so that they never get angry, and I bend over backwards so that they never get angry, then their anger won't ever affect me if I can just control them. That's called codependency. <laughs> and I struggle with it. In fact, uh, Pastor Dale and I were really close friends. We talk about everything. He's a wonderful mentor, wonderful friend to me. We're driving around one day in his truck, and he looked at me and he's like, Trevor, I think you're codependent. And I'm like, No, I'm not. <laughs> and he said, Trevor, go talk to Christine Carpenter. She leads our Celebrate Recovery. Go CR. Go CR. And go talk to her about this. It said, Christine, Dale thinks I might be codependent. You have a book I'm supposed to read? <laughs> and Christine said, sure. And she gave me a book. And I started reading it, and it was like it was describing me on every single page of the book. I wanted to throw it against the wall. Now who's angry? You know. <laughs> and you know, I realized that about myself, that you can be deeply afraid of people because you don't like it when, you know, when people are angry, and you can be f- afraid of people. Well, then God gave me that verse. Put it back up. Hebrews 11, please. God gave me verses like this. If you guys could put it back up. Hebrews 13, excuse me, 13, 5, and 6. When I learned that God is with me, that he's my helper, and I don't need to be afraid, then that sets me free from having to fear other people because the God of the universe, he's my helper. He's not just with me. What does it mean if he's with me? It means he's my helper and I'm not alone. And because I'm not alone, I don't have to be afraid of other people and however they might act. Because I'm not afraid of other people and how they might act, I don't have to control them because the only person I'm supposed to control is me. Because I don't control them, I can be free. And when I'm free of the fear of other people, the only person I fear with a reverent holy fear is God and no one else. It sets me free. You can be free from the fear of other people. If you struggle with that, The promise is for you. He's with you. We also learn that when we learn to trust that God is with us, you don't lose your fear of people, you lose your fear of death. You learn to quit fearing death. Daniel 3.18 says, but even if he does not, so we know he's able to deliver us, but even if God does not, we want you to know, your majesty, we're not going to bow down. Now, this is really powerful that they say God is able to, And sometimes he does, and sometimes he does not. Profound theology from the three friends of Daniel. Now, we talked about this a lot at the beginning of the year in our Miracles series. You can go download that on our podcast, go watch it on YouTube. Dale and I spent eight weeks talking about that idea. God is able to do miracles, sometimes does, and sometimes they don't happen. Go watch it. We've spent two months talking about it. This is profound. It shows that they're not afraid of death. There's a part in Scripture in Hebrews 11 where it talks about the Hall of Fame people in Scripture, and it says that these people who ended up suffering in this life, it says that they did not receive what was promised. Wow, we're in a series called Promised Land. How can that be in the Bible? It's because the view that God has is that death is not the end. In fact, we're part of a larger tradition called the Methodist tradition, uh, more than just a certain denomination. It was originally before it became a denomination or a church or a bureaucracy. is really a movement of people who just loved Jesus, and it swept Europe and America by storm in the Great Awakenings. You probably learned about that in world history, U.S. history, I should say. And the part of the reason why people joined this movement more and more and more was these people radically loved Jesus and loved other people, but also these people who were called Methodists died without fear. And literally how they died in peace would draw people who were with them on their deathbed to go. Something supernatural was happening with these people and whatever they had in this life that gave them peace to transition to the next. I want what they had, and have now apparently. In fact, I've, I ended up thinking about this. I started thinking about some famous last words from people. Here are some funny ones. Beethoven said, friends applaud the comedy is finished, on his deathbed, his final words. Humphrey Bogart, famous movie star, said this, last words, I should have never switched from scotch to martinis. <laughs> Winston Churchill, famous statesman from England, said this, I'm bored with it all. John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement, last words on his deathbed. Best of all, God is with us. So friends, let me tell you, if you came in here in this room or you're streaming online and you have a bad diagnosis and you got some form of cancer or something you're deeply struggling with or you got bad news from a doctor or fear about medical stuff or fear about death at all, if you have a family member who's struggling, whatever you brought in here, that you're wrestling with, I want to tell you, death is not the end. God is with you, will never leave you, and he will carry you from this side to the next because he has promised on his very own name that he will do it. He's with you and he's never going to leave. So friends, here's the last thing. As the band is getting ready to come on out, when you trust that God is with you, you will experience the presence of Jesus. See King Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel 3.25. As Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire, he looks into the fire and says, there's four in there, and one of them looks like a son of the gods. Now, we don't know if it was an angel or maybe a pre-incarnate form of Jesus. We don't know. It's mysterious. But here's what we do know. The Nebuchadnezzar had his eyes opened to see what was happening all along in the story. It wasn't like God showed up once they got into the literal fire. God was with them invisibly in the conflict, in the fear, in the circumstances, and yes, even in the fire. And then people had eyes open to the spiritual reality of what was actually going on. And this is what will happen to you. If you have faith to believe this, your eyes will be open to see Jesus in your fire right now because he's there you just need to open your eyes to see it. so we're going to invite uh, we're going to have prayer teams here on either side and we're going to sing a new song here in just a moment we're going to respond to God's word the band's going to teach us a new song today that's written from Daniel 3 and we're just going to spend some time seeking God so I invite you there's going to be prayer people on the sides of the room to pray you can come to the front of the altar to pray let's respond to God's word so, Lord Jesus, we thank you that you're with us. Reveal yourself to us now in our circumstances, in our pain, in your name. Amen. Friends, there's another in the fire. There's another in the fire. In your fire and in your struggle, whatever you brought in here this room and whether you're streaming with online, there's another in the fire, and his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. So friends, let me encourage you. If you are struggling, we got friends up here who would love to pray with you about your situation and your struggle and your fire. Come this way before you go that way. But otherwise, prepare your hearts to receive this benediction. Will you pray with me? God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God of Daniel, of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. God and Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we thank you for your very great and precious promise that you are always with us. Give us eyes to see it and to trust it as we walk out these doors and live in your ways. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Go in God's peace. We'll see you next weekend.